Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson. And week one is in the books. We're officially on to week two. Uh, let's go ahead and quickly go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Carson. As always, you all know me, Commissioner Goom. Some other people call me that. And uh, yeah, coming off of a good week one in our in my fantasy league. I know it wasn't as great for you in our main league, but uh, hey, we're bounced back from here, right? Yeah, it's a long <laughs> season from now. Uh, let's yes. go ahead and talk about... Um, our picks for last week. Carson has the one game advantage. He went eight and eight on game picks. I went seven and nine. Um, I'll chalk that up to picking the Patriots to win last week. And, <laughs> Pretty uh, much, I guess then. <laughs> and uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. We got another good one, although some banged up players in this one. Thursday night football, Chargers traveling to the Chiefs. Uh, Carson, first thing I want to talk about is Keenan Allen with his hamstring injury. Yeah. Um, fantasy managers should expect him to be inactive. It's a big loss for that Chargers passing attack. Um, but I want to say this, Gerald Everett. I mean, I mentioned him in last week's episode, and he didn't do too bad, all things considered. 14.4 fantasy points. He had three catches on four targets for 60, oh, sorry, 54 yards and a touchdown. If Keenan sits this week, you feel better starting Everett. It's looking like that's the case. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think in leagues where you have to start a tight end, and if you're going like the streaming option and didn't get a like highly touted tight end early in drafts, I think he's a great option. I mean, the touchdown really helped his fantasy performance last week, but still 8.4 fantasy points would have been respectable for where he was going in drafts and for his debut at the Chargers, and you think his floor is going to be even higher without Keenan Allen, as he explained. So yeah, I think he's a I think he's a good option this week. Yeah, the one thing I don't like about him is that he wears the number seven. That's kind of gross. That is weird for a tight end. I didn't even realize that, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's strange. That is strange. Um, yeah, I was watching the game and I was like, who the hell is number seven? <laughs> and it's the tight end. So that's funny. Uh, the more you know. Uh, let's talk about DeAndre Carter now. So last week we talked about Joshua Palmer potentially being the insurance uh, wide receiver in this offense, and that kind of got disputed with DeAndre Carter's stat line. 15.4 fantasy points, uh, very similar to Gerald Everett, three on four targets for 64 yards and a touchdown. Here's the thing, though. He only played on 37% of the snaps. I'm not convinced enough to start him in this week, um, like even in my flex, of course. But Carson, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not either. I agree with you. And is he a rookie? No, surprisingly, he's okay. a seven year. He's a seven year veteran. What? <laughs> yeah. So that's okay. Because a... I know. I think that's why a lot of people were saying Joshua Hall. Palmer was more intriguing because he's entering yeah. into his second season. And then Jalen yeah. Guyton was a rookie last year, too, but he's kind of faded out, it seems. Um, but, yeah, that's that's very surprising to yes. just assume he was a rookie. Um, and, yeah, with that snap count percentage, you can't be super excited about what he could bring to your team. I mean, Keenan being out is good for him because maybe he could slot in as the second wide receiver, I guess. But mm-hmm. even so, I think they're going to lean on Williams – Eckler probably more likely than anything else, which is yeah. someone we're not even going to really discuss in depth here, but that's just kind of what happens. And then I think Everett has a more direct uh, and realistic path to getting more value this week and going forward than Carter does. Yeah, since you mentioned him, I will say Austin Eckler had a pretty underwhelming fantasy day, 11.2 points, um, 36 yards rushing, and four catches for 36 yards as well. So obviously not the best you expect him to bounce back they're gonna have to this chief's offense looks really hot 
and um, the Chargers are going to have to put up points to keep up with them. So let's go ahead and move on to the other side, which is the Chiefs, of course. And I want to talk about, you know, a shared player that we that we don't always uh, have a lot of optimism. Mean, basically. Yeah, we <laughs> don't have a lot of optimism. <laughs> not a lot of optimism, but with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 22.4 fantasy points. You love that. Seven carries for 42 yards. Uh, that's You'll live with it. Three catches on three targets for 32 yards and two touchdowns. So that's where all his points came from. I'm preaching. I'm pounding the table. Sell high on CEH. He only played 39% of the snaps. This is a three-headed running back by committee. And Edwards-Alaire is going to be touchdown dependent all season with this level of usage. Yeah, I mean, he got 4.2 points from his rushing contributions. He's a running back. I mean, he's not that elite guy where he has that four as a receiver. That just happened this game. I mean, two of his three catches were touchdowns. That's not reliable. I We've never liked CEH. I, I, you know, always say we're not super into college football, so I didn't see the hype going into the draft, the real NFL draft. I'm like, yeah, it seems appealing. You're going to potentially be the lead running back for the Chiefs, but... It's a pass-first offense, at least it was in the prior two seasons, and he's five foot seven. Like, how are you ever going to think that this guy is going to become a bell cow back? And, yeah, he's just not. So, I mean, he was efficient on those seven carries, but yeah. it was 39% of snaps. That's that's not good for someone that people are going to be touting as a high-end uh, running back two all of a sudden. Yeah, it, it's just it's an opportunity to sell high, and I think people would be smart to take that. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the Patriots. Oh, sorry, let's pick this game. Um, so the Chargers are underdogs by four points, and Carson has just added to our notes that he's taking the Chiefs. Um, I'm going to stick with you on that one because I think that without Keenan Allen, it's a tough look for the Chargers coming into this one on the road. Yeah, I think it becomes less of a difficult decision with Keenan Allen being out, and it's in Kansas City, and Mahomes is coming off of the QB1 performance last week. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that that Chiefs offense put up over 40 points with their current look, but they did. Yeah. So, I think you have to pick the Chiefs here. Should be a good game there. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Um, all right, let's move on to Patriots at the Steelers. Um, and I'm going to keep this short for the Patriots. All offseason, I was preaching this. Avoid all New England players in fantasy. And back then, I was saying, except for kicker and defense, and now I'm not even I'm not even repping those guys. Uh, to be honest, I think there's just, there's just no stars on this team right now. And... In terms of, uh, you know, filling out your roster in fantasy, man, if you draft a lot of Patriots, you're you're just a homer because that that is not a, that is not an avenue to success in fantasy. Yeah. It, it's surprising that I mean they got blown out in their playoff game, but they made the playoffs last season, and it's just yeah. like, how. And I know they lost no, they're, J.C. They're Jackson. Such, That's they're a big such a thing. solid. Yeah, they're they're but they're just such a solid NFL team that they are. You know, it doesn't really translate to fantasy, and that's. You know, Bill's all about that, so I, guess. I understand it. Um, he probably doesn't want any fantasy stars on his team um, for that reason. But let's go ahead and talk about the Steelers here. Uh, Najee Harris left the game late with a foot injury, um, only got you 10.5 fantasy points. He is quoted as saying he will be playing this weekend. 
let's monitor that status. Um, it's uh, fortunately it's an early Sunday game, so you'll be able to have plenty of time to uh, figure out a backup plan. And speaking of, Jalen Warren would be next in line. But to me, there's no guarantee he has the backfield touches all to himself with Benny Snell still on roster. Um, I would classify Jalen Warren as a desperation flex at best. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Carson? Yeah, I agree. I, uh, you saw what Najee did last week, and I expect him to improve once he starts playing again. But uh, this isn't really an attractive team uh, fantasy-wise or NFL-wise. So I don't think that you like, oh, I got to start whoever replaces him, I agree that it probably won't be clear-cut anyways either. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, so let's pick this game. You know, no TJ Watt for the next six weeks. Do I see you up up high with me picking the Patriots? Yeah, I, I am going to pick the Patriots. I think All the, right. loss of, the loss of Watt does really hurt. And at the end of the day, the Steelers' defense forced five turnovers. Just off still, of Burrow, yeah. And still barely won an overtime so right. and we'll talk about the Bengals more later but i think that if the defense can do that much and the offense still can't get it done in regulation that says a lot about how this team's going to look going forward yeah and, and like you said we'll talk more about it when we get to the Bengals. but that offensive line looks no better than it did last season no, so it's, yeah we'll talk about that later <laughs> yeah um we're going patriots on this one uh going with the uh, the favorite in this game by two points. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Panthers at the Giants. So, DJ Moore got you eight fantasy points last week. Not great. The good news is that he played 100% of the snaps. You like that. That's good usage. The bad news, he was only targeted on six of Baker's 27 attempts, which technically is 22% target share, but... Last season, he never got fewer than seven targets in a game at all. So to see six in this game, um, are you interested in buying low on DJ Moore, or what are your thoughts on him? I think he's probably a a buy low candidate. I don't really, I'm not really looking to trade after week one personally, but I think he can be deemed as that. I think that there has to be better days ahead, and we'll talk about Robbie Anderson. I do buy, I think that Moore is going to be the clear wide receiver one in this offense. Baker didn't throw the ball a ton. He went against his old team. I I expect them to improve, um, at least make DJ Moore more reliable. And uh, yeah, I I don't, I'm not super excited about him um, after this performance, but at the end of the day, he should still be someone that makes your starting lineup every single week and should be consistent there. I agree with that. Um, I just want to, you know, pat myself on the back a little bit from last week too with Robbie Anderson. I mentioned yeah. him in my week in our week one video, and uh, he definitely delivered. Now, granted, most of his yards came on one play that also resulted in a touchdown, but he had five catches on eight targets for 102 yards and a touchdown. Like I said, um, if you picked him up off of waivers this week, are you willing to start him? That's a question for you. No, I, I don't want to start him. I, I will say before I'm too negative on him because I think that just the one play almost getting 75% of his points or whatever that math ends up being is... More than that, yeah. I, I think is very telling. and But I, at the end of the day, he had more targets than more. And I don't expect that to continue, but it obviously shows that Baker um, likes Anderson as a target. So mm-hmm. I think he's definitely worth picking up, but I would not start him this week personally. Okay, that's understandable. Uh, let's move on to the Giants. 
And I'm going to keep this short again. Until further notice, Saquon Barkley is the only giant I'm starting. Uh, Kadarius Tony played 12% of the snaps, wasn't targeted at all in the passing game, and only had two rushing attempts for 23 yards. Uh, talk about weird usage for him. And then yeah. for Sterling Shepard, he had two catches for 71 yards and a touchdown, but the play he scored on was a 65-yard catch. So without that, he had a catch for six yards. So yeah. um, there's just – and Kenny Galladay is just – a complete lost cause i feel like they they're spending so much money on him and he is not doing anything and i know part of the problem is that daniel jones is just not very good um but i mean to put it nicely but yeah it saquon blew up and we're happy about that if he can keep any form of that momentum going he's gonna pay off in just absolute riches to the people who to that drafted him yeah. Um, anything uh, to I'll, add? I'll, yeah, I, it seems like Kadarius Tony is like exiled from this team because he's like the only intriguing pass catcher on this offense, and yet they utilized him the way that he did. Uh, they did so. Yeah, I guess you can't really look at him as reliable. I don't know what's going on. There has to be something behind the scenes, in my opinion, because it was really weird. But Saquon, he's back. I'm I'm glad that um, he kind of confirmed what I was hoping last week for his reemergence two years off the injury. Um, so I had Saquon and Just Jefferson in my main team this week, and I let's just say I loved that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all sure. there is to say about that. <laughs> all right, let's pick this game. The Giants are favored by two points at home. I'm thinking Carolina's going to get Christian McCaffrey more involved, so I'm going with the Panthers on the road. Uh, I, I think... I think I have to agree just because, and this is a tough one, um, just because I don't think Saquon can do it all on his own. They barely won that game last week, which I'm glad I actually predicted that correctly. Um, but yeah. I think with the talent of Moore being much better than any of the Giants' pass catchers, and then they still have McCaffrey, and right. they have a better defense than the Giants, Like I think that's Pretty much across the board, it's a better team. Yeah, so, so when you th- when you really think about it, this isn't that <laughs> difficult, and I'm surprised that they're not the favorite. <laughs> I think it's just riding off the hype of Saquon, but he can't do it a little bit. all on his own. But he can fantasy-wise, right. so I like that. <laughs> I'm with you on that. All right, let's go. Next game, Jets at the Browns. And here's the headline. Joe Flacco threw the ball 59 times in this game. Wow. All of the pass-catching numbers were greatly inflated because of this, and I'm expecting the passing volume to come back to earth in Week 2. Here's what it comes down to. I know Elijah Moore was drafted relatively high. I know Garrett Wilson was pretty close after him. But in terms of fantasy starters, I think you can flex the running backs, Michael Carter and Brees Hall, uh, but you don't feel great doing so. And I'm I'm avoiding starting any Jets if I can. Yeah, I, I I read a report before week one that like Michael Carter was the focal point of training camp, like his energy and everything, or I don't even remember how they phrased it, but it was just like, yeah, it is kind of surprising that people would just think that he just would disappear um, right. coming into his second season on a not well, bad rookie campaign. And I know it's because Brees Hall is, you know, the running back one out of the April draft, but yeah, and I expect his his share of the workload to increase relative to Carter, but Carter's mm. not gone. So it, uh, it hurts Hall's value for sure. Do you? Yeah. Agree? I, I think, yeah, I think what you're saying is like Michael Carter was undervalued in drafts. 
and yeah or just more that like it, it seemed obvious to think that hall would not just start guns blazing straight away from the season and i don't mm-hmm. think anyone's really that worried but yeah that's pretty unsurprising and it's kind of what happened i mean he's not that rb2 just yet in fantasy yeah okay agreed there let's uh, let's move on to the browns who as the six point favorite in this game i mean let's talk about amari cooper first i mean yikes 4.7 fantasy points he was targeted six times but he caught three balls for 17 yards. What's up with that? That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> I mean, we've hated on him and C.D. Lamb last season, and we're going to do it <laughs> for this week, too. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at that Donovan Peoples-Jones stat line in comparison, so I'll just let you talk about that. <laughs> yeah, 12 points, uh, which nothing crazy there. 60 yards. The, the real number that stands out to you is 11 targets. Um, yeah. Nearly double what Amari Cooper got. He reeled in six catches for 60. Uh, are you buying or selling this week one stat line moving forward? That's the question. Uh, I think that you keep an eye on it, but I don't mm-hmm. think you can value any pass catcher in this offense too highly. I mean, it's a run first offense. Definitely. And they don't even have the QB that they want who shall be unnamed <laughs> right um yeah so, so we'll, we'll, but i mean the fact 11 that does targets change. is intriguing it does yes. it is so if he does something like that again has at least i don't know six or seven targets i think he's worth picking up okay yeah i think that's that'll be something to consider heading into week two or week three right waivers yeah. um all right let's pick this game like i mentioned the browns are six point favorites I probably will never pick the Jets this year, and not yeah. just because I'm a Patriots fan, but just because they stink. So yeah. I'm going Browns. I think that um, kind of just the defense and then Hunt and Chubb alone make the difference in this. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Colts at the Jaguars. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman did what they were supposed to do My in boy. week one. Outside yes. of those two players, it's too risky to start anyone else. I mean, do you disagree? How does this team tie with the Texans? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did kind of, I did kind of uh, blow past that. That is a unexpected miss on both our parts um, in the previous pickums because I mean, yeah, who would have thought that the Colts would tie the Texans? Uh, not me. No, not me either. But I'm, you know, Jonathan Taylor did his thing, put up a performance for a potential rb1 this season um the rb1 rather and michael pittman i loved i loved seeing that so yeah i felt great about him but yeah i agree no nobody else i mean i saw like pierce had a dropped uh touchdown reception in the end zone that looked pretty bad and uh i don't even know who else to even name outside of those two so yeah. yeah everyone had a quiet day outside of those two fantasy studs so uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Jaguars, who there's a bit more to talk about here. Travis Etienne, a uh, pretty disappointing uh, opening day for him. Eight and a half fantasy points. He only finished with six touches, um, played on 51% of the snaps, uh, but had a bad drop that would have resulted in a touchdown. That would have definitely elevated his his week. Um, I'm considering Etienne to be a desperation flex if you need him. 
uh, but I'd like to avoid this backfield until a true pattern develops in terms of the usage. Yeah, as someone who drafted ETN as their second running back, um, it's tough out here. Nobody wanted James Robinson to come back like he did. I mean, obviously better than Cam Akers, right? But yes, and we'll get, we'll talk about him later. Better than Cam yeah. Akers, and but I I still have hope in ETN going forward. I mean, he saw the majority of snaps, barely the majority, but he did in his NFL debut. So I think right. that says a lot. And um, I'm pretty sure uh, Lawrence missed him on a pretty easy uh, look for a touchdown. I guess on top of also a bad drop. So he was a little bit unlucky, but you don't feel great about six touches. But I think going forward, he'll improve. I have hope in him. But yeah, this yeah. week, you're not super excited about him. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's been too much hype for him to be an absolute flop for the season. So yeah. not panicking, but like I said, in the meantime, I'm going to look elsewhere if I can, um, just until there is some kind of you know real consensus on how this backfield shakes out. Uh, looking at the other half of that, James Robinson had 19.9 fantasy points, which was, of course, elevated by two touchdowns. Uh, he played on 49% of the snaps, and I view him the same way as ETN, despite the fact that he got the touchdowns. It's just not reliable. 11 carries for 66 yards, that's fine. And then one catch on two targets for three yards like that was the touchdown grab that he got that etn should have had so i mean i don't think that we're in any disagreement here on this it's just a it's not a good situation and it's and the the draft capital compared like the adps of these two players was not even remotely close considering james robinson's miraculous comeback yeah, I think that ETN's going to always have a safer floor than Robinson, which is going to make him pay off as a better fantasy player just because of his receiving floor. And I know he only got one more catch uh, this week, but I just expect going forward that that's where he's really going to be the difference maker and just have a safer floor. But again, I wish that it wasn't such a almost literally 50-50 split. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, last one that we'll talk about here before we pick this one is Christian Kirk. He had 17.7 fantasy points, 12 targets for six catches and 117 yards, uh, double-digit targets to make up about a 30% target share. Uh, they paid this man, and they're using him like they did. And I think that's all you can really say about this. This is an exciting development for him. Yeah, he's kind of a... He's not super late-round flyer. He's probably around rounds 10 or 11, kind of that range. But he's definitely paying off at that ADP. So I think if you have him, you feel really good about him. And he just is the clear... Uh, wide receiver one in the offense yeah so let's go ahead and pick this game the colts are favored on the road by four points and i am with you here i'm yeah. taking the colts yeah i agree i think that the colts have to bounce back i mean this is another divisional game and i know it's the jaguars upset them that prevented them from getting into the uh, playoffs last season so there's probably yeah, some sort of extra bit of bad there. blood but if i mean Away at the Texans, they couldn't get it done. I think they're going to bounce back this week because just sheer talent, they should be able to outweigh this team. So I think yeah. that you have to go with them. <laughs> I'm with you on that. All right, let's talk about Dolphins at the Ravens. First player that I want to talk about is Chase Edmonds. He got 10.5 fantasy points, pretty underwhelming. Uh, 12 carries for 25 yards and four catches on four targets for 40 yards. Um I view him as a potential buy-low candidate because basically last season he averaged over four targets a game. That's a good floor for any pass-catching running back. 
Um, Carson, any thoughts on that? Yeah, and I'm bringing up my fantasy team again just because we're right after talking of ETN. Chase Edmonds was my running back three, and I feel great about where I got him. I think watching that team play a little bit, he's the clear guy, even though Mostert and Gaskin still there. And I think that, you know, if you're worried about him losing some carries because of the amount of running backs there, I think his his receiving floor keeps him super high and reliable, at least as a flex play. Like, I, yeah, I... I am not panicking on him at all because I drafted him where I drafted him and always had hope that he could emerge as a solid starting option. So yeah, I, I will not be selling him, but I think that if you didn't have him, he would be a good buy low candidate. Okay, cool. Um, so we've been celebrating some of my correct picks. We got to acknowledge some of my bad picks. Um, <laughs> last week I talked about Mike Kosicki. He got 1.1 fantasy points, one target for one catch for one yard. A lot of ones there, and they're not too close to each other. So he is very much so droppable. He played on only 42% of the snaps. And I'm really most willing to chase upside at tight end. Those those positions, unless I get one of those top five or six guys, I'm dropping them in and out every week, um, just chasing upside. I mean, what else can I say? Yeah, it seems like likely the likely outcome is that pass catcher number one is Tyreek Hill, pass catcher number two is Jalen Waddle, and pass catcher number three is probably Chase Edmonds. So, yeah, I don't think you can you can't roster Gasicki. I really don't think you yeah. can. All right, let's talk about the Ravens now. Uh, the home team in this game, they're favored by three and a half points. Uh, first, let's talk about the running backs. Kenyon Drake got five and a half fantasy points. Mike Davis got one point one fantasy points. Neither of these guys can be trusted in this offense. And I think until J.K. Dobbins returns healthy, uh, I'm I'm taking all these guys. I'm taking all Ravens running backs out of my lineups. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is just not a super exciting backfield anyways, and now you're reaching for basically handcuffs. So yeah. hopefully Dobbins can do better once he returns, but there's no reason to want a stake in this backfield outside of Dobbins. Right. Um, let's talk about the pass catchers now. Devin Duvernay, big day for him. 21.4 fantasy points. He caught two touchdowns to make up his four catches for 54 yards. Are you concerned at all that we drafted the wrong guy to be wide receiver one in Baltimore? I think you know, even though you can't see me, that I'm shaking my head right now. I, I don't think we did. I, I saw at least one of the touchdowns. He was just wide open. So yeah. I don't really think that says a lot about him as a player. Um, no offense, Devin Duvernay, but I think you were at the right <laughs> spot at the right time and you know caught all of his targets. Half of them were touchdown catches. That's not reliable. 52% of snaps isn't amazing either, as you have right. written down. I, I, I trust in Bateman still, and you'll talk about him more later. So, Yeah, yeah it, was, it was more of a rhetorical kind of tongue-in-cheek question because I yeah. think uh, a tendency of new people to fantasy is to go out and chase for, like, who just boomed. Yeah. And usually when you do that, you're, you're one week too late. Um, Devin DuVernay is one of those players that will occasionally catch a long touchdown and that will be part of his very limited passing upside um so yeah it was it was tongue-in-cheek i had a i had a cheeky grin when i was asking it and uh it's it's nothing to it's nothing to freak out about it's it's more of a uh anomaly than anything else uh let's go ahead and move on to mark andrews 10.2 fantasy points he did have seven targets had five catches for 52 yards 
it was unexpectedly a quiet day for, I mean, for a while in this offense, but Mark Andrews, especially against the Jets, um, he finished outside the top 10 among tight ends, which is just shocking to me. Uh, but there's still no need to panic. You you drafted, you spent a very early round pick on this guy. He is proven, and he will uh, return from this game. It is surprising that 10 tight ends at least. More, more than, than 10, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is his floor, so don't panic. Yeah. Um, let's talk quickly about Rashad Bateman, who we all drafted as the uh, projected wide receiver one in this offense. He got you 13.9 fantasy points, only two catches, one of them being a touchdown for 59 yards total. This is not the stat line you were hoping for in week one, but heading into this week's matchup, who are you picking to lead this team in receiving yards? For this matchup? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, probably Andrews. I don't see a reality where it's Duvernay. If Bateman becomes this guy that gets long touchdowns, because that's basically where all his points came from, one catch, um, then maybe he could have weeks that he does a lot of yards. But I think Andrews just has to be the most reliable uh, yeah. floor uh, pass catcher in this offense yeah Yeah, i'm picking andrews i'm picking andrews as well and i'm not sure that this is going to be controversial but with the three and a half point underdog i'm actually going to take the dolphins in this one yeah and i've agreed with you every time but i'm going to agree again (laughs) you're trying to just keep that one game lead on me that's i'm never i'm never going to disagree again so i end the season (laughs) with more um no i mean so we don't even know if dobbins is going to be back uh for this game and if he is what is he going to look like and then you have a uh pass catchers where duvernay did the best statistically so it's like Mm -hmm. they're still trying to find their rhythm there i think bateman is going to find his rhythm and get better but on the other team you got uh Tyreek Hill, Waddle, and Edmonds, and obviously I like Lamar more than Tua, but you have to trust in Tua's options a lot more than Lamar's going into this game. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think they're a good pick for an upset. Yeah, and I also think the fact that the Ravens didn't just absolutely crush the Jets last week, like they were slow starters, it really didn't pull away until the second half. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to come out hot, and I think they just have more offensive weapons than the Ravens do at this point. So yeah. I'm going with I'm going with the Dolphins like you. All right, let's talk about Buccaneers against the Saints. Um, just want to quickly say, in case you missed last week, um, first of all, uh, why why did you miss last week? Come on, <laughs> do better. Um, but you're here now, so that's good. Good for good on you. But uh, I was in attendance for the Buccaneers-Cowboys game. It was not as competitive as I was expecting, um, but I was happy to see Tom Brady get, pull out the win. Um, obviously not thrilled with the Chris Godwin injury. That hurts me on multiple teams, and he's just a player that I was really rooting to get uh, back healthy and involved in the offense. Um, so I'll go ahead and talk about him here real quick. With a hamstring injury, he is expected to miss at least a few weeks. Um, are there any pass catchers on this roster, other than Mike Evans, of course, that you're interested in starting while Godwin recovers? Starting's probably strong. I mean, I don't even... You were at the game, so maybe you can have a better perspective than me, but Julio looked kind of decent out there. He did, and they got him involved uh, in the run game a bit, which was really surprising to me because, yeah, like... no kidding. You know, for for a guy that was always dealing with soft tissue injuries last season, I feel like the last thing you would want would be for him to be exploding out of the backfield. But um, 
despite that, I'm I'm kind of still of the same mind that I was in the preseason, which is Russell Gage and Julio Jones are going to basically cannibalize their looks on each other, and it's really just going to be Mike Evans running the show, and of course, playoff Lenny. And uh, and so I, yeah, I don't I don't really see a pass catcher rising up in the ranks um, to be fantasy relevant week to week. But I figured I would ask you um, just because you know maybe there's something that you that you saw that I didn't. Yeah, not really. I think that Mike Evans and Fournette being reliable fantasy options doesn't leave a whole lot for anyone else on the team. Um, so I think it's a little bit greedy to feel like we need to find a third to replace Godwin. Um, obviously sure. outside of Brady too, but yeah. Yeah. Specifically pass catchers. And, and, and since we're on the subject, Mike Evans had a good week last week, 18.1 fantasy points found the end zone. Like he always finds a way. Um, but I'm going to say this lower expectations. If you're not familiar with this matchup coming up, Marshawn Lattimore has Mike Evans' number, and Evans averages below 10 fantasy points per game over the past three seasons that they've played the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, did he, I don't know if you know this information, but did he shadow London or Pitts exclusively last game, or was it kind of like not anyone specifically? Well, I believe that... I believe I no London idea. got most of the coverage. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain on that. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a thing between him and Mike Evans, really, that, that we're mentioning yeah. because it he always underperforms against the Saints, uh, Evans does. So I figured I'd mention it here, and uh, we can go ahead and move on to the other side of this game where I've actually got quite a few names to talk about. So I want to start with Alvin Kamara. He was the earliest drafted um, among these guys, if you play in a league that knows what's going on, um, Alvin Kamara had 7.6 fantasy points, only nine carries for 39 yards. And this is a high scoring game against the Falcons. Three catches for, on four targets for seven yards. I mean, Carson, how many points will it take from Kamara this week for you to not be concerned about him? Well, I feel like I read that he was struggling with an injury and kind of playing through it this past week. So I think that provides necessary context um this is a tough matchup against the buccaneers so if he doesn't do amazing again this week i think he's a good buy low uh candidate because long term i'm not super worried about him obviously um yeah excluding the fact that he could get suspended but yeah i think that that provides context for last week a potential injury and this this week is not the make or break week for Kamara. It just isn't. So I mean, that's not a lot of positivity um, for someone that's hoping for him to do well. But you know what he can do. If it doesn't happen this week, it still doesn't really change my mind. Okay, that's an interesting take, but I don't necessarily disagree with you. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the pass catchers now. Michael Thomas, twenty two point seven fantasy points. He did grab two touchdowns to finish his day with five catches for 57 yards. Uh, touchdowns obviously inflated his final score, but it's still reassuring to see him finish a game healthy for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I mean, he's probably a flex play at this point, and uh, that's a little bit more positive than I was last week because he still gets double-digit points without the touchdowns, and he saw touchdowns too, so that helped a lot with his fantasy score. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Jarvis Landry now. 18.4 fantasy points. Are you buying 
selling, or holding following this production? I mean, if you're, you can find someone that really wants him, I'd sell. But I think you have to hold. I would not go buying yet. I mean, 114 yards on seven catches, and it seems like he led the team in targets too. That's great, but at the end of the day, we were almost thinking he could be the... Th- third in line for the wide receivers so you need another game before you make conclusions on this uh offense honestly yeah i was uh mentioning mentioning that so he is at 69 percent ownership on sleeper so obviously in a uh in a smaller league he's going to be more available but yeah, yeah that was kind of my, my reasoning for including him in as, as a buy candidate um sure. let's go ahead and talk about chris olave a much more you know pedestrian score we'll say 9.1 fantasy points uh but still good to see the rookie getting involved i think until something changes like you mentioned uh if jarvis landry falls uh in the pecking order of this receiving game um olave is going to be a flex consideration in deeper leagues um up until something changes um and let's talk about Taysom hill briefly he played on 26% of the snaps. He had 15.3 fantasy points. Uh, he had five total touches, so that's like three points a touch. Uh, it's just, you know, what can you say with this? I, I don't think he's a relevant fantasy tight end week to week. Do you disagree? Yeah. I thought Sean Payton was gone, so I don't know what they're doing forcing his son out there again. That was like a, a joke we've always said that Taysom Hill was Sean Payton's son. I mean, he because had they one always, big carry. Because they always get him on the field. He did, and he had one big carry. So, uh, no, I don't. This happens at least once a season. Yeah. Yeah, until Taysom Hill's playing quarterback again, he should not be on fantasy rosters. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's pick this game. The Saints at home are two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Even without Chris Godwin expected to be there, I'm taking the Bucks on the road. Yeah, I agree. I This Saints team is kind of in a really weird place right now. I mean, you got a new coach. you got an underperforming Camaro who may get suspended. Thomas coming back after a season off. Landry on a new team, a rookie, and then Taysom Hill just doing, exploding on some big plays. Like, this right. is a really weird offense. I'm going to trust Brady and Evans and playoff Lenny to get it done. I'm with you on that. All right, yeah. let's talk about commanders at the Lions. Um, for Antonio Gibson, this is a pretty unexpected boom. He had 20 fantasy points. 14, I mean, especially with the conversations going on during preseason about yeah. him uh, fielding punts for most of the time. Um, <laughs> 14 carries for 58 yards and seven catches on eight targets for 72 yards. I am advocating that you sell high on Antonio Gibson. Last season, he had five games with 20 plus fantasy points and six games with under 10 fantasy points. He had a career-high eight targets and matched his career best with seven catches. I'm not sure that this game won't be the outlier on the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that he definitely is a sell-high candidate. I will say, though, I think he's better than we expected, but he's still a sell-high candidate just because this is not going to be reliable for him, most likely, and then he's only going to lose his place more and more as Brian Robinson returns, as you've noted. Exactly. So there, there are too many things like career highs and 
yeah. best of the you know best of his career like those are the two, two those are the same thing but um yes and and then brian robinson returns and it becomes more of a committee so in addition to the the 20 plus games or the 20 plus fantasy points and the minus 10 or 10 and below i'm getting all flustered um i just don't <laughs> i just don't believe in antonio gibson I mean, um, long term performances i mean you're getting flustered because performances are very polarizing um that's right what it is at the end of the day he's he's very all or nothing and he's always been difficult to it's crazy for a almost borderline rb1 in fantasy scoring for his first two seasons he's always kind of been a headache to manage and now it's probably only going to get worse as brian robinson returns yeah i'm with you on that uh, let's talk about Carson Wentz. He had 27.72 fantasy points. He's currently sitting, I believe, as QB3 on the season. Um, <laughs> 313 passing yards, four total touchdowns. Sorry, four passing touchdowns, two interceptions. Is Carson Wentz legit, or was this a product of the Jacksonville defense, or was it both? I think it. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, Wentz mm-hmm. had a good uh, stretch of being pretty reliable and having a really high floor for the Colts last season but at the mm-hmm. end of the day this was a pretty easy matchup even though I, I picked them to lose I'm pretty sure um so yeah keep an eye on him but he's not this is not what he's going to look like all season it just isn't <laughs> yeah um Curtis Samuel 19.2 fantasy points this was exciting to see because we've been waiting over a year to see him play healthy and he did not disappoint um, I would say he's a high-end waiver ad for an enticing matchup against the, the Detroit Lions this week. Yeah, I think a wide receiver that has had some relevance in the past while being healthy that sees 11 targets with a new quarterback, I think a lot of that adds up to he has to be a uh, waiver priority for people that need wide receivers. Um, but again, I do expect him to negatively regress uh, because I don't expect Wentz to do this well every week. But he could prove me wrong. He could. I think I think he has a good chance to do it again against the Lions this week. But uh, yeah. let's move on to the other pass catchers. Terry McLaurin only had four targets in this game, two catches, one of them being a touchdown. Uh, here's what I'll say. He started last year with a four-target game and followed that up with an 11-catch, 14-target, 100-plus receiving yard boom week. I'm not I'm not panicking on Scary Terry just yet. Yeah, you can't completely disregard what we thought the pass catchers would look like going into this week, and he did he did worse than Samuel and Jahan Dotson, who we're about to talk about, but he was drafted mm-hmm. and valued as the best pass catcher pass catcher in this offense, so you can't just like completely throw all that knowledge away after one week. And at the end of the yeah. day, he's still at thirteen point eight. Um I know mm-hmm. he got lucky to get a touchdown that helps his score a lot, but uh he still gave you a respectable fantasy finish, and I expect him to be uh, more reliable, at least statistically, um, with his production. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, Jahan Dotson, like you mentioned, did have a good day, finished ahead of Terry McLaurin, uh, but it was on two touchdowns for 40 yards, three catches. It's not sustainable usage. It's still encouraging for the rookie to be developing a rapport with his new quarterback. Um, but I'm going to hold him on my bench for at least one more week before starting him. I think the regression this week could be pretty jarring. Yeah, uh, yeah, he can't keep that up, of course. But it is still intriguing to see the rookie get two touchdowns, um, as you've said. So, yeah, I think that the way we valued him previously is well, what we thought was the clear-cut wide receiver, too, which may not even be true anymore. But at the end of the day, he's a rookie uh, with a new quarterback that he might have chemistry with. So, yeah, keep an eye on him. 
All right, let's talk about the other side of this game, which of course is the Lions. Uh, DeAndre Swift, this is more of just a round of applause. He had a fantastic week, 26.5 fantasy points. He even had two touchdowns vultured by Jamal Williams, which I know, I'm, you know, DeAndre Swift did his part for your fantasy team, but if you happen to lose because any of those touchdowns didn't go your way, uh, I mean, I don't know. You can't really complain on one hand, but on the yeah. other, it stinks. Um, it was tough. Despite this, you're thrilled with the production from Swift. If he can stay healthy, he's going to secure running back one status comfortably. And I don't mean running back one overall, but just <laughs> top 10 easily um, because that's something with injury in the last two seasons that's kind of held him out of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that he's a great uh, – if you got him as – I mean, some people got him as their RB2. Um, yeah. So that's amazing. But even as RB1, you got to feel confident in him. Yeah, and then Jamal Williams, obviously the touchdown vulture of the week. He had 16 fantasy points, um, only played 33% of the snaps. Uh, We've seen this before from him, and the usage is too inconsistent to be fantasy relevant. Uh, I would just say avoid him, honestly, because there's nothing you can count on just on any given week to, to, to warrant rostering and or starting him. I agree. Okay, let's talk about TJ Hawkinson, who, like when we were talking about Mark Andrews, is one of those top six guys. Um, he only got you 7.8 fantasy points. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, it's disappointing. Um, but, yeah, I don't think you could panic. I mean, this happens with tight ends. This happens with Hawkinson. Um, I think, again, this is his floor. It's kind of a similar discussion with Mark Andrews because he's highly valued but didn't really pay off. Yeah. I think going forward, uh, if you drafted Hawkinson as your tight end, you're not in a good spot to like panic on him, and I don't think you should anyways. So yeah, mm-hmm. just keep playing him, and hopefully he can be more consistent. Okay, and then the last one I want to talk about is DJ Chark. This is a guy that I was talking about uh, targeting late in your drafts, and at least in week one, it definitely paid off. 15.2 fantasy points. Did score a touchdown, had four catches for 52 yards. I think he's going to remain an interesting flex play as long as Jamison Williams remains inactive. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think that he was a good sleeper uh, pick in drafts just because of what he's done previously for the Jaguars, and now he's mm-hmm. kind of slotting in as the wide receiver too um, in this offense. So, yeah, I agree. I think that he is a interesting flex play and someone who probably got overlooked this week because he didn't absolutely boom, but he yeah. actually was more uh, reliable than a lot of the people that did as far as the stat line being representative of what he yeah. would probably continue to do. Yeah, I understand where you're going with that. I get that. Yeah. Um, this is a tough one to pick for me. So the Lions are at home and they're favored by one and a half points. I mean, if that's not indicative that it's going to be a close one, uh, you know, nothing is. But I think I want to hear what you have to say and then I might just go the opposite. <laughs> Um, I, I'm I'm thinking Lions just because I feel like um, I just feel like the Commander's performance on offense is more fluky than what the Lions did, and the Lions drove up the score against the Eagles and lost, and yeah, the Commanders beat a Jaguars team that didn't look that great, honestly. So yeah, uh, yeah. I'm with you. You've convinced me. I'm going Lions. All right. 
let's uh, <laughs> keep my strategy going to where I'll always have be one point ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll go ahead and uh, take over. So we'll move on to the afternoon Sunday games, and this first one, uh, the Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. I sigh about the Seahawks because of their win over the Broncos, and I'll probably talk about that more directly when I get to the Broncos, but an ugly win for the Seahawks, in my opinion, last week, just looking at the stats of all these players. Uh, Geno Smith was very accurate, but only threw for 195 yards, and his two touchdowns went to two pretty random tight ends, not even Noah Fant. Um, And then Rashad Penny only had 12 carries, even with Ken Walker inactive, but now Walker's expected to make his NFL debut. So, I mean, Penny was efficient with those carries, but do you agree that you probably can't start either of them uh, going into this week? Yeah, not yet. I mean, if you were starting Rashad Penny, I I don't know what was going on for you to do that last week. Yeah, it's got to be a, a deeper league. Yeah, so <clears throat> I would I would agree with you. I think neither one of these guys is all that enticing. Um, we know that the Seahawks are going to remain a bad team despite beating the Broncos last week, um, just by one point, by the way. But there were a lot of variables in that game. Um, I I could say I can say what I want to say about it until we get to the Broncos. But I'll just say, along with what you were saying, uh, the running backs are a little sketchy in this one especially given the matchup yeah i mean they didn't even score in the second half but again yeah we'll save the discussion maybe for a little bit later (laughs) uh tyler lockett only saw four targets i think that means you he's got to be on your bench um kind of yeah i i love him i love him go ahead i love both of these pass catchers in best ball um but in terms of week to week regular fantasy football yeah, I, I mean, I, and I was avoiding them in drafts to begin with, and I, and I advocated for that in our rankings video. But um, this is very reminiscent of how Tyler Lockett was performing when Geno Smith originally took the took the reins last season when, when Russell Wilson got hurt. So it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, and then to talk about DK Metcalf, you might see seven catches on seven targets and be like, wow. Uh, he probably did really well this week, but it was only on 36 yards and he had a fumble, so he only had 8.6 fantasy points. Um, but I'll say, even though Metcalf's yards per catch was uncharacteristically low, and characteristically low, do you expect Metcalf to at least be somewhat consistent in this offense? So last season, he remained consistent based on touchdown production. And I don't know if that's going to reemerge in this season, but... I feel like if it, I mean he's obviously the most talented pass catcher on the team. Uh, if they're smart, they're going to create a game plan that focuses on DK Metcalf and gets and force feeds him, gets him involved in the offense week to week. Yeah. Um, I would also argue, obviously not. There can only be one most talented player on the team in terms of pass catchers, but I would argue the same thing for Tyler Lockett. They, they, they just need to get those two guys more involved in the game plan because there's really no excuse. Those guys are too talented to be only seeing four targets, seven targets. They both need to be getting uh, near double digits, really. Yeah, and adding on to the fact that I already brought up that two random tight ends got the two touchdowns, I expect those to more reliably go to Metcalf and Lockett so I think in that regard you got to feel better about him but Metcalf still obviously has a safer floor uh, than Lockett but I agree that they're good best ball plays but not very exciting uh, non-best ball plays 
Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll move on to the 49ers on the other side um, in this divisional matchup. An ugly loss for the 49ers. Uh, and I'm not even really going to talk about anyone's st- statistics directly because it was like a torrential downpour in Chicago last for week. For real. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Trey Lance struggled in the rain, but hopefully he's your QB2 anyways, and hopefully he can do better in sunny San Francisco. And uh, Elijah Mitchell, uh, this is kind of the biggest news coming out of this game. Elijah Mitchell is expected to miss eight weeks with a MCL sprain. So Jeff Wilson now emerges at the top of the uh, running back depth chart. But uh, I'll ask you, this isn't super exciting because Lance and Debo take up many of the carries. Would you agree? I completely agree. Um, I think the industry is presenting Jeff Wilson as someone that you should be targeting with you know uh, the majority of your fab budget or uh be your number one priority for the week and i'm not i'm not buying it i think that it's going to remain trey lance and debo like you mentioned as the primary rushers in this offense and jeff wilson's limited pass catching upside to begin with like that's just adds on to the fact that he's not that enticing of a pickup for me um so i'm kind of going against the grain in that regard um but i'm with you i think you're on the right pack on the right track with that yeah, I mean, me phrasing that question in that way would probably make you think I completely agree. And I, I mainly agree, um, but it is a little hypocritical because I picked him up off waivers last night. But we don't use fab, so I'm not throwing away as much, obviously. And he's yeah. my fifth running back, so I'm like, why not? He might have half the season to have this opportunity. So just keep an eye on him. So that was my thought process. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it's not my- like I actually expect him to be uh, reliable or super excited about him, but still worth picking up. Yeah, and and my rationale is uh, this season we've switched from reverse standings waiver order to a rolling waiver system, which is basically uh, the longer that you wait and other people are using waivers around you, the higher in priority you become. So I'm going to let people go after these guys that I don't really believe in and wait for someone who I think could be a potential league winner and then jump on that. So. Um, that's yeah. part of my thought process there. But yeah, I understand yeah, where I you're think coming from. My lack of running back depth is what made me want to just take a shot. But I do agree. I think that is an interesting way to do waivers. So if you never thought about doing that, maybe entertain that idea uh, next season. Um, expect Kittle to return from his groin injury, which kept him out of week one. Um, that could change things for how this team looks fantasy-wise. Um, yeah, but and yeah, not, so playing just, in, not playing yeah. in eight inches of rain, too, will help. Exactly. So th- it, it will almost feel like week one for the 49ers in week two because that game was just so hard to pull anything from on how they're going to look. But yeah. I will agree with you, as you've already written down, that I expect the 49ers to win this game. Um, I think the Seahawks got really lucky with some bad decision, strategic decisions by the Broncos last, yes. uh, last week, and yes. they literally didn't score in the second half. And to now back them to beat the 49ers in san francisco i think that would be uh bold (laughs) yeah we're taking the nine and a half point favorites at home the 49ers yeah okay uh let's move on to falcons at rams Uh, a big spread betting wise um in favor of the rams but we'll talk about them later so the falcons cordell patterson had 22.6 fantasy points he had 22 carries for 120 rushing yards and a touchdown and three catches on five targets for 16 receiving yards. But I'm pulling something directly from a PFF article, so no plagiarism. But they recorded a saying that Damien Williams, um, who got 
suffered an injury to his ribs in the first quarter, played on seven of the first ten Falcon snaps, seeing more snaps than Cordell Patterson on first downs, second downs, and third downs. Now, that is a limited sample, but do you think that that context makes you less excited about Patterson um, having this type of a game? I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is a good this is a good time to sell high on Patterson because this is a stat line that you would see from, like, uh, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, <laughs> well, not not enough catches. I was thinking maybe someone more like like a Zeke Elliott or someone. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's a very uncharacteristic stat line for Cordero. I feel like, and based on how he performed, he's one of the top running backs in the league. Again, I think people are going to maybe think, oh, you know, this is like how he looked at the beginning of last season when he became a potential league winner off the waivers. Um, I would be looking to sell high off of this because, uh, like you mentioned with the Damian Williams stat, it is pretty, I mean, you're definitely grasping at straws, I feel like, to to an extent with that sample size. But I do think that Patterson won't have many games like this this season. He's, I want to say, 31 years old, and there are multiple. I I think one of the most interesting takeaways from this is that Tyler Algier was a healthy scratch. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of, that's a little disconcerting for him. Um, but again, I wasn't too high on him to begin with in the preseason. Uh, but still, yeah, Patterson, uh, sell high, I think, because I don't think this is going to be a week to week, uh, reliable source. I mean, yeah, there's too many question marks. Like, is this Damian Williams stat legit? And then they drafted a running back and Patterson ended last season horribly. So there's a lot going against the fact that he could sustain this. So I agree, sell high um, on Patterson if you can. Um, although I feel like he he could have a strong start to the season again, but I just don't buy it season long. I just don't. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the pass catchers, though. Drake London had 12.4 fantasy points, uh, five catches, seven targets, 74 receiving yards. So that's a pretty solid debut for the rookie. Um, Kyle Pitts, yeah. on the other hand, I'll uh, I'll lump them together soon, but 3.1 fantasy points for Pitts, uh, the same amount of targets at seven, but only two catches for 19 yards. Uh, Both London and Pitts led the team with those seven targets, although London was much more effective. But do you expect both of these players to be reliable fantasy options going forward? So reliable is a strong word in the sense that I don't know. There are very few tight ends that are reliable. Um, I'm more concerned about Pitts in this offense than London, truthfully. Um, I mean, one of my bold predictions this preseason was that London was going to get double-digit touchdowns. So I, I do, I do find myself liking him as a fantasy option this season. Um, I, you know, there's really just, I mean, who else? Who else is Mariota going to throw the ball to? I know Kyle Pitts is there, and I know he was drafted high, but I don't know. I'm just not convinced. I'm not sold on Kyle Pitts yet, and. Of the two, he's the one I'm more concerned about in that question. Yeah, I mean, he gets deemed by college fans as this unicorn player, and I do think he'll still uh, do well. I, he did very well for a rookie tight end last season, but at the end of the day, that's not super. That's not a super exciting category um, to be compared to. But yeah, I think we're lower on Pitts than most people, but he still has a good opportunity. But we'll talk about the Rams. Um, Wow, they did not look very good on offense at all. Uh, Matthew Stafford uh-huh. was sacked seven times, and the Rams' offense forced everything through Cup, who had a monster 31.8 fantasy point performance. But let's talk about the running backs. So Daryl Henderson played 82% of snaps and allowed him to get 12.3 fantasy points. 
where uh, and he even had five catches, which is really good for his floor. And Cam mm-hmm. Akers played 18% of snaps, uh, three carries for zero yards. Huh? That 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 that. <laughs> huh? Can you answer that? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, I heard that the coach said. So Sean McVay, I think I heard this. I, I I heard this secondhand from our from our dad, but um, there was some quote floating around that Cam Akers needs to show more hustle and uh, show like I, I just I don't buy that for I, one thing. I heard like, that too. He had three that quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had three carries. Like, uh, yeah, he didn't blast through the hole. Like, I, I just don't buy that. I think that's BS. Yeah. Um, this is obviously concerning because of where Cam Akers was going in drafts and I don't know what to make of it yet. I think I don't think anyone really knows what to make of it yet. And the concern is well hopefully if you drafted Akers you were able to draft Henderson or pick him up off of waivers um, if he was available, which probably a little unlikely. Yeah. But uh, regardless, yeah, Cam Akers is persona non grata which basically means don't touch that guy right now <laughs> that's the direct translation <laughs> um not the direct but the, it's it's uh it, it gets the gist yeah i don't think you can start either of them this week because henderson nobody thought he would be oh the come on back. you can't start henderson against the falcons <sighs> i think it's tough with that usage but going oh, into the season nobody expected that so if we see another week where well, this is the split, I'm all in on Henderson. But if I'll I can tell very you. likely see Akers just be like, oh, yeah, I am here. Here's the 50% of snaps, and then they're both useless. <laughs> okay, if I if I had... No, they're, def- they're definitely not going to both be useless. This is going to be... The, okay, the, the Rams are favored 10.5 points at home against the Falcons. Well, they'll just this force it down be. Cooper Cup's throat because that's exactly what they tried to do against the Bills. This, this offense was pitiful. Super Bowl defending champs, they looked like they didn't know they had other players besides Cooper Cup. So, and then they didn't know... They didn't know which running back was which with how they previously valued them. It was so Oh, they weird. definitely they definitely know who was who because Cam Akers barely touched the field. I guess so. My my point is Daryl Henderson got the majority of the snaps. He is a reliable fixture in this offense, and as long as Cam Akers is not like just a ghost on this team, I am perfectly comfortable starting Henderson against the Falcons. I think that's right. an overreaction. Probably. I'm just probably hating on them too much. Um I still think they're going to win this game. That's a spoiler. Yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> you picked them. You picked them to lose last week, and you're bashing on them still. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess the day I've I've said enough. Um, someone I'm not okay. worried about on this team, as I have Allen Robinson on both of my teams. I'm not worried about him yeah. at all. I was seeing him getting lumped in with Cam Akers as like people that uh, drafters will be wor- would be worried about that they drafted. That's just a ridiculous and insulting comparison to Allen Robinson. I think he only yeah. had two catches, uh, not many targets, but he played 97% of snaps. Um, mm-hmm. That's quite a bit different from 18%. You don't need to worry about Allen Robinson even remotely close to how you're worrying about Cam Akers. Trust Allen Robinson to bounce back. I think I think you're on the right track there, um, especially referencing how Stafford was sacked multiple times, seven times by the... Um, by the bills and when you're under pressure 
you go to your safety blanket. Your safety blanket happens to be Cooper Cup, not the new guy on the on the block, Allen Robinson. So yeah. I think that they will make an effort to get him more involved. And I also think that this uh, Falcons pass rush is not nearly as good as the Bills. And I think that they're going to be able to figure out a way to get Allen Robinson involved. And, you know, hopefully we're both wrong about Cam Akers and he does kind of show up. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine with putting out Daryl Henderson. I'm fine with putting out Allen Robinson again this week. Um, I'm not panicking on either of those guys. Yeah, even though I was super negative against the Rams, I mean, it's because they're at the standard of the Super Bowl uh, champion coming off of last season. They don't have to... Uh, play nearly as difficult as team as the Bills, but a lot of people have Bills and the power rankings as number one. So I think they'll bounce back enough to beat the Falcons. So yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. We're pressing the panic button if they don't, like honestly. (laughs) For real. Um okay, we'll move on to Cardinals at Raiders. Um I was wrong about the Cardinals. I mean their defense did not do anything to stop the Chiefs, and I don't know that probably has more to say for the Chiefs offense than the Cardinals defense, but it's not good either way. Um Yeah, that, I feel like they might be missing Chandler Jones, you know. The yeah, pass rush just that's true. wasn't really wasn't really there, and I feel like that's a big part of it, which by the way He went to the Raiders, with, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So a little revenge game there. Yep. Um that being said, though, with the Cardinals' offense, almost every highly rostered fantasy option on the team returned almost identically to the projection. I looked at it. I think Connor, uh, Marquise Brown, Ertz, all of them like almost right on the projection. So even though they kind of got about, blown out in a high-scoring game, what were you going to ask? What about the projections for Greg Dorch? Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about him. So Greg Dorch, who? <laughs> oh! 13.3 fantasy points, seven receptions on nine targets for 63 yards. Led the team in targets, but I'm reading and hearing that this was supposed to be the Rondell Moore role in the slot in the offense. So do you expect Moore to kind of just like take that role potentially once he comes back from his hamstring injury? Or how, how do you look at Dorch, basically? Uh, no, I do. I do. I, I think that, and I talked about Rondell Moore as a player to watch last week prior to him being announced as inactive for week one. Um, yeah, there is a lot of off or preseason and off-season hype surrounding Rondell Moore. Um, I think that Greg Dorch is he 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 did a fine job, but I think it's you know when it comes time, he'll settle back into his uh, anonymity, and Rondell Moore will take this role. Uh, no offense. Yeah. <laughs> um, James Conner, there, real quick, sixteen point five fantasy points. Uh, 10 rushes for 26 yards that's inefficient but one rushing touchdown as always with Connor um, and five receptions on six targets for 29 yards so as I said he was inefficient but his passing game usage and goal line threat probably keeps him as a safe RB2 and with a safe floor yeah. would you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay um, yeah I think that's safe <laughs> to say and uh, yeah I think I read that Eno Benjamin was like the only other running back to get snaps in this game so maybe worth a handcuff pickup but at the end of the day James Conner has all the value in this backfield when he's healthy um, yeah yeah okay so we move on to the Raiders it was the Devontae Adams show 30.1 fantasy points uh, 17 targets for him whereas Renfro and Waller each had six targets so yeah I mean it's just it's Devontae Adams and everyone else I mean you feel better about Waller of course you got double digits it's a tight end so that's a good floor but what do you do about Hunter Renfro um well 
with where you drafted him, you probably feel like he's a flex consideration. Um, I wouldn't disagree. I think that, you know, six targets is not horrible. The yardage was low. Uh, I mean, if you watched any of this game, you saw that uh, the Raiders were just not quite good enough. And I feel like in this game where... You know, both teams are coming in 0-1. I think the Raiders have something to prove, and I think they're going to get their guys more involved, um, maybe less so with Adams. I mean, I, I don't expect him to match 17 targets, um, but I think closer to 11 or 12 is more realistic. And those those remaining six or seven that come off of him will be spread around to Renfro and Waller. And so I think everyone's going to everyone's going to kind of get a bump up and I think Devonte Adams takes a bump down. And I don't think that's, you know, that's not an indictment on Devonte Adams talent. Yeah. I think it's just how this game's going to go. I agree with that. I mean, he's, he started so high uh, with his production. So him getting a bump down probably doesn't hurt him that much at all. So yeah, I think that is realistic. Uh, talk about Josh Jacobs, 8.3 fantasy points, uh, 10 carries for 57 yards and one catch for 16 yards. Um, that probably, I mean, his lack of passing game usage and the fact that he's just not, like, a bell cow back, I, I, he's not reliable enough to make your starting lineup. Would you agree? Um, I think you can definitely flex him. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't feel confident with him being my RB2, but in order for him to be your RB2, you had to go really heavy on wide receivers so, or tight end. So... I don't think you should be taking him out of your lineup, but um, I understand where you're coming from with that. I think it's just in terms of game script with last game, the Raiders were kind of playing from behind for most of it. And so that makes it difficult for Josh Jacobs, who is more of a rushing. I mean, he get he gets a fair amount of targets most weeks, but yeah, I think, I think that's a bit of an overreaction for him. Okay. Um, I'm going bold. I'm picking the Cardinals. I'm just going to rip it off like a Band-Aid. I, I, <laughs> just like last week. Yep. Uh, hey, maybe the AFC West is too much for him, but I'm going to give him another chance, and I think that they could do it. And that's I'm not trying to be too negative on the Raiders, but they're coming off of a prolific offensive display from the Chiefs, and I think that you know, if Rondo Moore comes back, and you know, a lot of people were kind of questionable going into this week, even if they played on the Cardinals' offense, so another week of uh, hopefully better health. And uh, they, they still did pretty well offensively, so if they can get back on track and handle Devontae Adams, which might be a, a, a hard task, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's an upset pick, and uh, this could be the difference of us of me losing my lead on you, but I'm, I'm feeling it. <laughs> All right, well, I, like you alluded, I'm taking the Raiders at home, the five-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to Texans at Broncos. Let's ride. Um... But yeah, we already kind of talked about this. It was very surprising that Texans tied with the Colts, but Mm -hmm. I think that's much more disappointing for the Colts than it is promising for the Texans. And uh, we kind of predicted this, this lack of Damian Pierce usage. Um, Rex Burkhead saw 14 carries and 8 targets, while Damian Pierce saw 11 carries and 1 target. This is not what anyone wanted. It's just not. (laughs) Well, his ADP rose... uh far too much in the preseason i think and and i think i mentioned that uh in our rankings video or uh actually we did our rankings video before his meteoric rise but i mentioned it before the season began um damian pierce i mean you'd think that he was getting a bust made in canton already because (laughs) the way that he was just 
just skyrocketing in drafts was just unprecedented. Yeah. And uh, the idea that Rex Burkhead, the guy who's been on this team uh, since last year and had an entire season of mediocrity, is the lead guy versus a rookie who never handled a high volume in college. Like, I don't know. Is it really that surprising? No. I mean, based I think- on ADP, yes. Based on, like, the eye test, no. So. I think there's a point in this season where Damian Pierce does become the lead back. Um, it may involve Burkhead getting injured, which he has a tendency to do. But also just that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think Burkhead is, he's okay. But I think at some point in the season, the Texans are going to be like, we need, to, we need to shake it up. And I think Damian Pierce will be that answer. Um, but it's not he's not the guy right now. And so... Yeah. He's I don't not really the guy feel right comfortable now. starting either of them. Yeah, Burkhead doesn't have a high ceiling at all. Um, Damian Pierce definitely does, but he's not the guy right now. So just hold on to him. And uh, I don't even think Burkhead is worth rostering. But Pierce is. Yeah. So just wait, just wait it out. Leagues. Yep. Um, OJ Howard got two receiving touchdowns on two targets. That's noise and not news for me. Would you agree? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah. Both catches resulting in touchdowns. Uh, that is the exact opposite of what you want to look for in fantasy because it's unsustainable, it's unreliable, and uh, there's a reason There's a reason that O.J. Howard got cut from the Bills. If he was that good of a player, he would have made their roster. Instead, he's playing with the lowly Texans, which squeaked out a tie last week. Um, they are 10-point underdogs in this game, and I don't expect them to put up much of a fight against a disappointing Broncos, we'll say. So let's go ahead and get into them. Yeah, so horrific end to the game. Why did they not go for it on fourth and five? Horrific Why? second half, at least. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, like, strategically. I mean, they were horrible in the red zone. They were horrible in the red zone. They didn't, their only yeah. touchdown was a pretty deep pass to jerry judy which allowed him to get a lot of points this week it wasn't even it wasn't even a deep pass it was literally he caught That's it true. and then just outran outran yeah. everybody and it, it was, was a big game it yeah. was super fluky yeah. um i okay i think russell wilson is getting unfair criticism for this loss yes um i also think that it was kind of cringe that the seahawks were booing him when he came out yeah it's um, kind of their organization he, he brought, that made him want to leave so right so uh, you know the fans doing that i i don't really respect it so much i think that you know that guy led you not led you because it was very defense and marshawn lynch oriented teams but you know he he got it done once for you in the super bowl and i would argue pete carroll blew it rather than him yeah he didn't make he didn't make that trade a big fiasco that kind of happened out of nowhere in the offseason so but it's not surprising that the fans are doing that so, okay, well, either way, um, the running backs both fumbling on the one-yard line, uh, the, the play calling by the head coach, the lack of a timeout at the end of the game, uh, just so many things were mismanaged, and very little of it was Russell Wilson's fault. So no, yeah. I'm not really a big Russell Wilson fan. I, I was not, <gasps> you know, touting him as a top, like, a top quarterback option this season, but I think he's getting unfair criticism and i think that 
there's a lot of blame to go around on this Broncos team, including the head coach. Yeah, I mean, Wilson threw for 340 yards and zero touchdowns. Only one touch, zero interceptions. Only one touchdown, but, like, come on. That's unfair. I, I saw Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos coach, was quoted after the game or days after the game saying, yeah, that was probably a bad decision to go for the field goal there. So they'll learn from this. I think I can already hear it. The start of a documentary of a great season. Oh, things didn't go as planned in week one in the return game. I think they're going to bounce back. I think they are. I, I can already see it. I was thinking about it as it happened. I'm like, they're going to bounce back from this. Um, maybe it's the fan in me. Javante Williams, though. Uh, 58% of snaps, while Melvin Gordon played at 41% of the snaps. So... Yeah, you don't trending in the that. right direction. You don't, yeah, it's trending it's in better. The right it's better for sure. But um, what you love from him is eleven catches on twelve targets for sixty-five yards, and he was very efficient with his only seven carries. But led the team in targets. I mean, if that's the floor we can expect, well, it's not reliable to expect that many targets. But if he's always going to be involved <laughs> in uh, th- the receiving work, I think that he's a very safe running back, and that uh, whatever Melvin Gordon might siphon from him is not going to be as bad as um it seems probably yeah um let's go ahead and pick this one and jump into the next one yeah broncos come on broncos please um move on to Bengals at cowboys um disappointing loss for the Bengals last week against the steelers although they completely deserve to lose neither team deserved to win if any if if any game should have resulted in a tie other than Texans-Colts, it was Bengals-Steelers. Uh, both teams were piss poor. Just yeah. not at all deserving of a win. So, uh, not not good. Yeah, the Bengals had 100 snaps. But that's a testament to uh, how many turnovers the Bengals had and I guess how little the Steelers did with the ball to get it right back to them. Because Burrow exactly. threw four interceptions was sacked seven times. Hey, that's a commonality between the super, two Super Bowl teams from last season. And fumbled yeah. two times, losing one of them. And yet he still mm-hmm. had a somewhat respectable fantasy score at 18.22 in four-point passing TD scoring. So That's, uh, that's probably because probably the game was six hours long. <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of opportunity, I guess, to get points. Um, Joe Mixon yeah. touched the ball 34 times. Jamar Chase saw 16 targets. They're both must-starts, as always. Um, Monitor T. Higgins, though. He's in the concussion protocol. That's definitely disappointing mm-hmm. to see. When you know, when I was advocating for Pittman over Higgins, this is not how I wanted it to happen, of course. Um, so keep an eye on him. Uh, Tyler Boyd, he had four catches on seven targets for 33 yards and a receiving touchdown. Um, if Higgins is inactive for week two, Boyd's a clear flex play. Would you agree? Yeah, and he's not, and it's not someone that I'm really excited about starting. Honestly, yeah. I I think you can hope for nine to twelve fantasy points and be happy with that. Anything more than that, and I think you're, you know, that's that's gravy. That's you know, icing on the cake. But yeah, Tyler Boyd, I don't know. It's just like it doesn't feel like he's got it in him still. And maybe he'll prove me wrong if that if the opportunity presents itself. Um, but I just feel like we would see it more in, in yeah. games like this, especially playing a whole extra quarter of football, and he only managed to get 30 through receiving yards. Like, uh, come on, man. That's true. Um, potentially a more sneaky uh, waiver pickup, Hayden Hurst. Uh, I mean, if you're desperate for a tight end, he had five receptions on eight targets for 46 yards. I mean, is he worth a grab, potentially? Yeah, I don't mind it in deeper leagues, um, especially... 
I think, you know, we saw weeks where CJ Uzama was uh, one of the best players looking on that team in terms yeah. of his stat lines. Um, this is a better this is a better version of that in the sense that he's getting more targets. Um, so there's more opportunity for reliable, consistent uh, production. And yeah, I think in deeper leagues, he's worth a look. Yeah, and uh, two seasons ago in 2020, he finishes the tight end nine for the Falcons. So it's not like he's completely unheard of. So, yeah. I mean, you like that amount of targets in this offense, but 100 snaps uh, could have definitely inflated it. So just something to wait and see for sure. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to the Cowboys. Um, the only team in the NFL not to score a touchdown in week one. And you got to win. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Yeah. Um, I did. Dak Prescott suffered a thumb injury. It's projected to be out anywhere in the range of three, if you ask Jerry Jones, to eight weeks. Um, yeah, Dr. Jones. Yeah. That's, that's Dr. Jones. I've heard that this is the same injury that Drew Brees suffered in 2019, and he was out for five weeks. So at least that's some sort of mm. frame of reference. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure that's true. That's the same injury. And... Uh, yeah and i've heard just to say this on, on the same note um i've heard that the way that they did the surgery may allow him to return sooner than initially expected um but either way he didn't look good and the pass catchers didn't look good when he was out there so i don't know is it really that big of a loss i don't know <laughs> I wasn't I high on him either this this offseason. And I'm so. pretty sure the one or two games that Cooper Rush had the chance of playing last season, he was actually decent. So, um, I mean, not that you're super excited about that, but, I mean, we'll go ahead and talk about the pass catchers. CeeDee yeah. Lamb had 4.9 fantasy points. Kind of went on a rant last Ooh. week. Yep. And we were right. We both agree we don't really like CeeDee Lamb at all for where he was drafted. He had 11 targets, but caught two of them for 29 yards. Um, wide receiver Noah Brown saw more receptions and had more receiving yards than Lamb. Uh, I don't think you trust that, though. And Jalen no. Tolbert was a healthy scratch, so that was surprising. Yeah. Um, but you got to start him, don't you think? You can't bench Lamb. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> not to get me going on this, but I think that, yeah, with where you drafted him, you damn better start him because... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you're going to take him in the second round, dude, uh, one week is not uh, one week's not enough to say, oh, I got to just, I, yeah, you spent too much to get him. You got to play him until he proves himself to be useless. And I don't expect him to be useless season long, but I also, you know, like you mentioned, I don't agree with where he was going in drafts. Yeah. And so I think that that's going to show itself in this stretch where Dak misses. Um, but I mean, especially during that period, but yeah, it's, uh, you, you're, you are kind of forced you've painted yourself in a corner by drafting him. Yeah. Um, uh, probably the only intriguing pass catcher coming out of this game, uh, that seems reliable is Dolan Schultz, 13.2 fantasy points, seven receptions on nine targets for 62 yards, led the team in catches, um, pretty safe tight end one, even with Cooper Rush at QB. Would you agree? Absolutely. And remember what I said. Um, I don't remember which video it was, but talking about poor quarterback play elevating tight end production, and this is an exact this is an exact point of that being true. Yeah. Dak was struggling. He was relying on Dalton Schultz. Cooper Rush came in and was pretty much exclusively looking at 
uh, Dalton Schultz, <laughs> uh, at least initially. So it makes sense, and I think it's going to, in terms of winners out of the situation, I think it is Dalton Schultz. Yeah. All right, let's talk about these running backs quickly because we did it a lot of last season, but it's a thing again. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, 5.9 fantasy points, 10 carries on 52 yards. Watching that game a little bit, he looked like he was rushing the ball pretty well, but you know, only had 58 point, 58% of snaps, while Pollard had 55% of snaps and had 4.2 fantasy points. Um, what do you do? I mean, you're starting Zeke, I guess, still, and you can't start Pollard yet. It's kind of the same analysis in the latter half of last season. Would you agree? <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I'm distracted because your phone was buzzing. Oh. Um, so, I don't know. Hopefully hopefully the audience noticed and I didn't just bring attention <laughs> to it. Zone out for nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was hoping that you would hear it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about this in last week's video. I said, is this going to be another year where Zeke keeps Pollard at bay? And, <clears throat> man... Watching the Cowboys in person, that team has no heart, honestly. Um, And like you mentioned, the only team to not score a touchdown in week one, I think that the Bengals are going to smack them this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I just think it's a a bad time to be a Cowboys fan, um, which historically has kind of always – well, not always, sorry. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) has recently recently been true. Yeah. Um, I agree with the Bengals. Yeah, Zeke. This week. I'm not panicking on Zeke yet, but I also feel like this team's going to have to really look themselves in the mirror and be like, hey, we got to get our stars the ball. And if that's feeding Zeke like it has been in his career historically, that's what they got to do. I mean, he had 5.2 yards per carry, so that is promising. It's just about what it looks like basically being a 50-50 split between him and Pollard. Um, But yeah, we both agree Bengals will be our pick to win this game all right we'll yep. move on to seven and a half point favorites on the road yeah that that's bold that is bold but it seems fitting we'll move on to sunday night football bears at packers divisional matchup um so kind of similar to the 49ers analysis this was in the game that had a lot of rain in chicago so hard to pull yes. a whole lot because justin fields only had eight pass completions hey um, let's go so you have to hope that was mainly due to the weather but you really can't start any Chicago pass catcher with much confidence at the moment because of that um, until he starts getting those numbers up, which I think he has to, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, I would honestly almost argue the opposite and think because the weather was so bad, the con- the playing conditions were so horrendous that it's like a reset button, yeah. and this is like week one for them. I would say if you drafted Darnell Mooney, you probably should still throw him out there because I think in a game where they're probably going to either be it's either going to be they're close with the Packers in a competitive game or they're going to be playing from behind either way I think that this is the opportunity for Darnell Mooney possibly Cole Komet uh, to prove their value based on where you drafted them or pick them up off of waivers either way uh, with Komet specifically but yeah I would say don't don't take last week's game into consideration um, for these pass catchers. The ones that you drafted and planned on playing in week one continue to do so in week two. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the backfield. Uh, David Montgomery, eight fantasy points, 17 carries for 26 yards, three catches on four targets for 24 yards, and he saw 66% of snaps. 
but Khalil Herbert was much more efficient. Uh, 11.3 fantasy points, 9 carries for 45 yards, and a rushing touchdown, and 1 catch for negative 2 yards. Um, he only had 29% of snaps, but he handled both the goal line carries, and he was more efficient with them, but all that being said, it's hard to be too negative on David Montgomery when you likely drafted him as your RB2, and he got 17 carries. So, uh, how, how do you feel about this backfield between each of their fantasy so, values? So, okay, based on efficiency... I like the potential upside of Khalil Herbert. Yeah. I think, again, uh, the fact that they had 26 rushes between the two of them, I think is more indicative of the weather. Um, it That's also, true. you know, like you said, uh, that uh, Justin Fields had eight pass attempts. So, or no, completion, sorry. Yeah. Um, I had a flashback to Mac Jones last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But no, um, which again, wild weather conditions Mm -hmm. caused that too. But um, no, back on Herbert. His efficiency, I think, is something to be concerned about if you roster David Montgomery because we heard in the offseason, in the preseason, that the coaching staff was interested in getting Khalil Herbert more involved this season. And I think when when you show that on the field with your efficiency as a rusher, it's going to make David Montgomery fall lower and lower in the snap percentage, and Khalil Herbert, inversely, will go up and up. Yeah. So if this remains consistent, that this is the kind of discrepancy that you get between these two players, it is going to become Khalil Herbert's backfield, and David Montgomery is going to become an afterthought if this continues. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens as they reset for Week 2, um, because that is kind of both of our perspectives, that it's hard to pull a ton from this Week 1, but... Uh, a little bit more representative with carries, of course. Um, all right, we'll talk about the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, eek, 3.7 fantasy points. That's <laughs> tough. Yeah. Um, I still wonder how the Packers were favorites in this game at Minnesota, but we already talked about that a little bit. Uh, Alan Lazard yeah. was inactive for week one due to an ankle, ankle injury, so monitor that. Um, you can't roster any of the veteran pass catchers like Randall Cobb or Sammy Watkins. You have to hope that Lazard potentially becomes the wide receiver one once he's healthy or you just have to bank on the upside of these rookies in romeo dubs who had uh four catches on five targets and led the package wide receivers and targets and catches and christian watson who you know only had two catches but had four targets and i mean both of these wide receivers dobbs 57 percent of snaps watson 66 percent um for rookies that's not horrible but um Still, they're not obviously looking like a wide receiver one for Rodgers quite yet, and that's expected, but... Yeah, that's an understatement. It, it just makes it, it makes this offense, this passing offense, really underwhelming for fantasy, and that was that was to be expected. Um, but I think they have potential going forward in the season. And Watson uh, dropped a potential 75-yard touchdown on the first play, and if he caught that, I bet a lot of people would be saying a lot of different things about Watson. Um, and I think I think that's interesting because like the fact that he dropped it was obviously terrible, but I would also say like let's say for instance that he did catch that, so now he's three for four for a hundred yards and a touchdown. Like, okay, so you realize that all of those points came on one play. I mean, it's very similar to like how we were talking about uh, Sterling Shepard. Yeah, we we would notice and, it. I'm just saying that like I'm sure a lot of people in the industry and unexperienced players would be like oh my god Watson's the guy he's gonna be Rogers wide receiver one just looking at yeah but I think I think especially in the absence of Alan Lazard it's really gonna be it's what it's really gonna be 
it's going to be telling. Sorry, I'm having a moment. Um, it's going to be telling once Alan Lazard is back on the field and we see this whole roster playing together um, to see what really shakes out. Yeah. I will say this. I think, and this is probably a little unexpected, but I think the closest comparison that the Packers draw is the Browns. This team is all yeah. about the running back talent, and obviously you like Aaron Rodgers more than Jacoby Brissett, but there are no pass catchers on this team that really like stand out to you uh, based on last week's performances, but also just that uh, it's all about the running backs, and we can get into those guys. Um, I think A.J. Dillon was a surprise for some people, Yeah, but he's been someone that I've been talking about in, I think I took him in our mock draft, um, which a lot of people saw relative <laughs> to all the other videos that we do. Yeah. Um, so check that out if you haven't already. But um, yeah, in AJ Dillon's defense, I think that he's gonna f- he's gonna probably play his way into the lead running back, and we can go ahead and transition to that. Yeah. So Aaron Jones had sixty one percent of snaps and eight touches. He was efficient with them. He got ten point six fantasy points. But Dillon. Uh, saw 51 percent of snaps so a little less but not absurdly and he had 20.1 fantasy points he had five more carries the rushing touchdown and uh two more catches on one more target uh, is I, you were kind of alluding to this so maybe you won't think this is bold but right now it looks like dylan's the better fantasy option than jones um i know it's after one week but Wow. So, uh, yeah, I think I don't think you're far off with that. I think that based on value, AJ oh, Dillon yeah. is gonna is gonna be a great value to fantasy managers this season, and he's gonna be an irritant to people who roster Aaron Jones. Yeah. Um, it's gonna take it's gonna take an injury for one of them to I think truly break away from the other. Yeah. But I think that as long as they're both healthy, it's very possible with this usage that AJ Dillon will become the guy you want to have. I agree, and uh, yeah, kind of a it. Is, the Browns is a good comparison, and we made that uh, comparison specific to the backfield last week. But I think overall, it is pretty true. Um, yeah, but yeah, we both think that the Packers going to beat the Bears though, at home in this game. Um, yeah, they'll bounce back. Yeah, not that that's super bold. I mean, they're the ten point favorite, but uh, yeah, we agree. So we'll move on to the first Monday Night Football game, which is Titans at the Bills. Um, let's start talking about the Titans. This offense okay. is gross. Just looking at all these stats. Uh, Derrick Henry had, you know, 82 rushing yards on 21 carries, and that's where all of his points came from, 8.2 fantasy points on 68% snaps. I mean, you're not worried about him. That's his fantasy floor. He doesn't get involved yeah. with the passing I game think a he had, lot. Usually. I think he had a dud week to start last year as well. Yeah. So expect better things from him. Yeah. Um, Dontrell Hilliard, though, I'm just going to spoil what I have to say and say pump the brakes on him. Um, he had 21.9 <laughs> fantasy points, but he played 18% of snaps and only had five touches, and two of them were touchdowns. Pump the brakes. Although, he probably is the handcuff for Henry. Um, so keep that in mind if anything were to happen to Henry or if you roster Henry. But that's really all I have to say about Hilliard. Would you agree? Well, and, well... Uh, I'm not really as convinced as you seem to be on him being a strong handcuff candidate. It's it's definitely true that he is the pass-catching yeah. option in this backfield, but in terms... Like, no one no one replaces Derrick Henry. We saw this last no, year. No one 
takes his production and replicates it in his absence. No, so, I, it's not. It's not a Alexander Madison handcuff. But just going in back to last season, Deontay Foreman was a reliable flex pretty much um, in Henry's absence, and Hilliard was there too. But now Foreman's gone. I think Hilliard, you know, I think he could be a flex play in the uh, possibility of an injury. But I think we'll focus. We'll focus on that analysis. If Henry was to get injured, there's not a whole lot. Yeah, really to talk we'll cross about that bridge and, you know, knock on wood that it doesn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, I am with you. All right. Robert Woods saw two targets. Ouch. Uh, that's all <laughs> I have to say on that right now. I mean, we'll see if anything yeah. changes. But uh, Traylon Burke saw five targets in his NFL debut. So that's a little bit more promising, but still not like yeah. amazing. Um, but Kyle yeah. Phillips, another who? Of the week, I think he was a late-round draft pick. Uh, he had 10.6 fantasy points. Uh, late-round NFL draft pick, that is. Uh, he had six catches on nine targets for 66 yards, but he did also fumble. But uh, how do you feel about each of these pass catchers? <laughs> okay, so I had to look up Kyle Phillips to even see what position he was. Um, oh, yeah. He's a wide receiver. <laughs> okay, so... I mean, I said this in our running back rankings video. Derrick Henry is the offense, and I don't really see that changing. Hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hopeful that Traylon Burks can kind of work his way into a role that has him as a weekly flex at the very yeah. best, or at, at the very worst, I should say. Um, and Robert Woods, I think he'll have boom weeks, but he had a very slow start last season too. So, yeah. you know, coming off an injury on a new team, it's a different type of offense than he's ever been used to. I think that probably just hold these guys on your bench if you can, because I think there is some upside there, obviously, but it's Derrick Henry's team and the rest of these guys are blocking for him. Yep. Uh, agreed. But we'll move on to the bills. Uh, maybe the most exciting team in the NFL right now with how they perform they're gonna one. be they're gonna be nfl bullies this yeah, year it seems like it josh allen and stefan diggs might be the best quarterback wide receiver doing the league uh, i'll make that claim i know a lot of people could say burrow and chase and and so on but i think they're a very strong duo um mm-hmm. and they both did amazing in week one but we'll talk about gabe davis he had 18.8 fantasy points so four catches on five targets for a touchdown and 88 yards um but i'm not buying it Call me a hater. His touchdown came off of a completely blown coverage, and I believe he had another big gain off of a blown coverage. But am I being unfair with Davis? Does he seem like the legit option? Okay. I think you are. Watching that game, I kept saying to myself, this dude's going to be a problem. Like, honestly. Yeah. Gabe Davis Davis may have not been going high enough in drafts. And I know that's That's hard to believe whenever, you know, he was rising to you know, fifth, fifth round or, or earlier in some drafts, like, but this guy I think is going to be legit. He is one of Josh Allen's favorite targets in the red zone, which by the way, I think that role for Dawson Knox after getting an extension, that role might be gone. Cause I think Gabe yeah. Davis is going to take it from him. I agree. And, and so, yeah, I think you are being a little unfair with him. I think that <laughs> not every week will be this good, but I think this this is nowhere near his ceiling either, as we can as we've already seen. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, it's not super high stakes because people are already rostering him, and he's probably a safe flex, undisputably. So, um, yeah. Let's see if he can continue this going forward. Uh, but we'll talk about the backfield. Devin Singletary, 
8.2 fantasy points, uh, 8 carries for 48 yards and 2 catches, 59% of snaps. And Zach Moss, he came back. He, yeah, he did. Uh, back from the dead, it seems. He was a healthy scratch at times last season, and, and at other yeah. times the last season early on, he was the better option than Singletary, or maybe prior seasons. It's kind of been a back and forth, and now he's back, and it kind of hurts. If you roster either of them, because Zach Moss had 37% of snaps, and... Uh, yeah, I think this backfield's unusable. Do you agree? I mean, James Cook had one carry and a fumble lost, so that's that's horrible news for him. But obviously, you yeah, expect him to not so, just like <laughs> go to the I, doghouse. I think that's but. I think that's a bit dramatic to say that the the backfield's unusable. Um, I still believe in Devin Singletary as a player. Sure. I think that he's. Uh, I mean, he was a much more efficient rusher. And it's really the passing upside that seems to disappear when Zach Moss gets involved. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a reason that Moss was healthy and active for multiple games last season, as you mentioned. Um, I think that's going to reemerge. And Singletary's still the guy. I, obviously, I'm lowering expectations for the time being, but I think that if you have to flex a running back, Singletary's still okay especially in this matchup yeah he's the best option at the moment but you know as you said moss takes a lot of his receiving upside and this is a pass first offense so that's why i'm not as excited but at the end of the day um it's a really good team so there's still some value in that top running back Uh, but yeah we Mm -hmm. both agree uh unsurprisingly that the bills are going to be our pick to win this match or this game against the titans so uh yep yep talk about the last game of the week Vikings at the Eagles, which should be an interesting one. Um, the Vikings analysis is really just this. It's the Justin Jefferson show, then the Dalvin Cook show, and then everyone else. Kirk Cousins probably has the safest floor out of any QB2, and I think you've felt that way for a few seasons now, um, and that continues. And Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne were tied for the second most targets out of the Vikings pass catchers, and that was only four targets. And uh, Cook had more at five, so... Cook didn't have an explosive game like Jefferson did, but he didn't really need to because yeah. of what Jefferson did. But right. do you agree? I mean, it's it's Jefferson I think, and Cook. Well, I think if there's one takeaway, I think it's that Adam Thielen underperformed. Um, yeah. We've seen him be a reliable, you know, double-digit fantasy scorer as long as Justin Jefferson has been around in that team. And I think that last week was a bit of a, a miss for Thielen, so I expect him to bounce back and improve. Um, obviously, I expect Jefferson to come back to earth a considerable amount. Um, he is obviously capable of these boom weeks, but you can't expect it every week also. Um, I think in this matchup, we're going to see Thielen perform better. I'm going to just go ahead and call it here. I think he gets a touchdown next week, or this week, rather, um, against the Eagles. And I think overall, I mean, you're, you're, not, you're not far off. I think in terms of who's relevant, it is... Uh, very chalky in terms of who we can expect to produce week in and week out, much like the Colts. Yeah, um, I agree. I feel like Thielen has become touchdown dependent, but that does keep his upside somewhat high um, in weeks where he does get them. So that's where his value comes from. But yeah, let's talk about the Eagles. Um, Jalen Hurts, 18 for 32 for zero passing touchdowns and 243 passing yards, but he got 24 points. So how do you do that? Oh yeah, this is a classic... Jalen Hurts stat line. He had 17 carries for 90 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is why I say that this guy could end up being a fantasy uh, cheat code because 
He didn't even throw for over 250 passing yards, didn't throw a passing touchdown, and still got you 24 points. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I think for me, the biggest surprise on this offense, there are a few surprises though, but the biggest surprise is probably A.J. Brown uh, getting 10 catches for 155 yards on 13 targets. You know, I, I voiced my concern. I was worried about Brown ceiling with Hurts. But if he got it done like this in a game where Hurts had that stat line, I think you got to feel good about Brown and only worry about the other pass catchers. Would you agree? Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I think there's going to be weeks where A.J. Brown does get bottled up, and then it's like, okay, now Jalen Hurts has to do everything on yeah. his own back. But yeah, A.J. Brown was definitely force-fed this game, and it produced in a very, very profitable fantasy game. I'll say that um, comparing A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb, <laughs> which they were going near each other in drafts. Well, no, sorry. I ranked them near each other in drafts. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm giving the edge to A.J. Brown um, now moving forward because... This is a quarterback, just the situation, but um, this is a situation that A.J. Brown has always found himself in, which is basically a target hog. Yeah, and as I've already kind of alluded to for what this does to the other pass catchers, for reference, Devonta Smith had four targets and zero receptions, and Goddard mm -hmm. had four targets and three catches. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if that can trickle down a little bit, like we said might happen for Devonte adams but it is a different situation because brown um well because smith and goddard are not the same as renfro and waller in my opinion but it is it is actually an interesting True. comparison now to think about it um but anyways let's talk about the this backfield because this really is a run first team uh miles sanders woke up it seems like he's got life in him he's got a touchdown uh already one more than he had all of last season after getting one <laughs> um 13 carries for 96 yards and that touchdown and two catches for nine yards played 52 percent of snaps um yeah but he wasn't the only running back on the team that got double digits kenneth gainwell had 11.2 fantasy points um five rushes for 20 yards and a touchdown and two catches on four targets for 12 yards on 30 percent of snaps um and then even Boston Scott got a rushing touchdown, but he only saw 18% of yeah. snaps. But I'll just wrap it up with a question of, is Sanders a safe flex now? Because that's higher than what he was valued going into this draft. And is Gainwell worth rostering for standalone value and potential handcuff value? Um, okay, I'll answer your second question first, okay. which is Gainwell. Gainwell worth rostering as a handcuff. Yes. Um... Now, is Miles Sanders a safe flex? No. I think that this is very similar, and this and this is reflected in our running backs ranking video. I compared Miles Sanders and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire very closely. These are both committees. I'm not comfortable having Miles Sanders on my team, and this this last week's game, this is sell high. Is just is is screaming in my head, sell high. Um, the fact that three different running backs each got a rushing touchdown, that doesn't make you feel good because that means that it doesn't really matter who gets the touches near the goal line. It's not going to be the guy that you have rostered every single time. So, I mean, stop me if I'm wrong, but I think that Miles Sanders is just like CEH. He's in a crowded backfield. He's touchdown dependent. I don't want anything to do with him. 
I like Miles Sanders more than CH for a few reasons, but I do agree that he is still sell high because of what you drafted him at and because of, as you said, every single running back that played got a touchdown. And then a lot of the time, Jalen Hurts steals those goal line uh, touchdown carries. So, sure. But 96 rushing yards, that's great. Um, he just probably needs those touchdowns to really go to the next level, and that's going to be very hard for that to be reliable for him. So I do it know you're saying. It is great, but on the, weeks, on the weeks where he's not efficient, it's going to be you're looking at near single-digit rushing attempts, and you're like, why the hell do I roster this guy? I, yeah. It's... I for me it's too risky to to confidently have in my lineup every week. I'd rather get rid of him and get something of value. He just had he had 13% more snaps than uh CH and five more touches. So, and you drafted CH higher. So, I'm this just saying week, in that comparison, yep. I like Sanders more, but we're kind of arguing two sell high candidates, so I guess why does it yeah. really matter? <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, that concludes it for us. Uh, let's pick the game. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> Wow, Vikings! Put some respect on the Vikings. I'm going Vikings. Okay. Although um, I do think this so, is going to be a really good game, and it is a close spread. It's two point five for either side, but Vikings are the—they're uh, not the favorite. Underdog. Yeah. 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 Eagles are favored at home, and man, I think I'm going to go with the Vikings as well, just because. Man, the the game that the Eagles had against the Lions was just weird. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of rushing, and I think the Vikings just have a more kind of well-rounded team underneath them. So yeah. I'm going to go with Vikings with you. Should be a good one, though. Um, now we'll wrap it up. <laughs> and uh, Okay. Yeah, thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. And, uh, yeah, until next time, you got anything to add? Nope, we'll be seeing you next week. Peace out, everybody.